0: welcome to green planet blue planet podcast i'm here today with anton who is the founder of house of transformation and selgar's estate and anton we met at rebuild i think two years ago in portugal yeah it's great to be on on this episode with you
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: yeah absolutely i'd love to hear just for a bit of context setting your involvement at rebuild um what you're doing at selgar's estate right now and Maybe even, you know, make it um, make it three. What What's House of Transformation? Because I know that's yeah. been a very powerful spot for people in, in the UK.
1: Yeah, so um, it all started with the pandemic, really. Like a lot of stories these days uh, where um, I found myself with a lot of time in my hands. And um, kind of all my consulting projects froze and uh, we were kind of in this limbo. And uh, a few things emerged. I was invited by a friend, Nico to speak about villages. And I hadn't kind of re- thought about uh, villages for a while because I'd kind of gone down another path. I'd kind of put those ideas to one side. And then, um, yeah, I got an opportunity to to give a little masterclass talk. So I kind of put a presentation together and then I was reminded of how much I liked this kind of, and how much I cared about this dream and this inquiry into. How we live and how we can transform spaces and land and, and, and build community and um that then inspired me to kind of reconnect with an old friend called victor uh, bring nico along we also connected with uh, sam who was doing oesa um, and he brought annie on board with tdf and uh, we set up a little working group saying we need to do some kind of event about villages right now because you know, everyone's at home on their screens, we're kind of realizing how um, disconnected we are from from nature and from each other. And there's something here. This is, this is the right time to, to do something like this. So we went around in circles, coming up with names and ideas for, um, for what to call this kind of group um, and uh, around village building, whatever that meant, this kind of new age of village building. And um, then the name Rebuild came. And then um, in 2021, we held an online gathering and had um, uh, about five, six hundred people join. And that kind of kickstarted. And we were very surprised because we just kind of invited people to give sessions presenting their projects and ideas. And um, that created a momentum to then host a physical gathering in Portugal. And then uh, uh, I kind of took on the, the baton and did one in Netherlands. There was one in Costa Rica. And in many ways, um, uh, Rebuild formed the uh, kernel for Enchanted, uh, which is the event that uh, I was planning for the UK. And uh, this was actually what made Salgar's possible. So we were looking for a venue to, uh, to create a UK-based regeneration festival and gathering similar to Rebuild. And we found this beautiful place in Devon, signed up as an event partner to do several retreats as well as the festival. And then, uh, it was about, uh, end of November that I got, got, a call from the people running the venue saying they were closing. And, uh, and then I was kind of first a bit in shock going, Oh dear, like, ah, oh, we have to cancel. There aren't really other good venues that we could do this in. Oh, it's a shame. And then, uh, I thought, well, what if we could take over the lease? I've been running House of Transformation, this is a dream of ours, Uh, why not? And so I met with the owner, Um, I put together a website saying this is how we're going to be promoting and running the venue and uh, we agreed a two-year lease with an option to buy at a really good value and um, we moved in on the 29th of December, had a little New Year's party and gathering and retreat for a few days uh, and then opened to co-living. And so this Selgars estate is an eight-acre estate that's um, in beautiful, secluded grounds, but really well connected to to road infrastructure and rail infrastructure. So only two hours train, uh, direct train from London Paddington, and then you can either walk 30 minutes or you can cycle 10 minutes, um, and it's very accessible. And uh, but you're surrounded by water. It's an old converted 18th-century mill house, and um, it had so much potential. Yeah, and, and not just great accommodation and great facilities, but also the potential to um, to expand and grow. And so, um, so yeah, so that was Solgard, and our, I'm sure we'll talk more about that project and our, our vision to turn this into into a village over the next few years. Um, and also the Enchanted Village Gathering, which will be a really important part of that collective community. Coming journey. up
0: this summer, right? In yeah, July six to nine.
1: Exactly. Uh, And then just to to finish off, um, House of Transformation was the first step in this journey, because what I I realized in a lot of my consulting work and research was that what people were really missing uh, in cities and and also out of out of cities is really affordable, beautiful nature inspired uh, meeting and event space. There's lots of offices, lots of apartments, but actually very lots of cafes and bars and hotels. But very few places which felt like home so hmm. it felt like an extension of your home that you could book on demand at a yeah. relatively affordable price and you can host your 30 person 50 person in a party or dinner where you can uh, gather as a company for your training or for your board meeting or for your team away days and you could have a space with with a kitchen with a really uh, beautiful kind of nature inspired venue three meter wide projector screen Um, double height ceilings lots of light lots of plants and lots of places to kind of break out into and it wasn't a co-working space where you were constantly uh, had people you didn't know around this was you know you could lock the door this was your own private venue for the day for the afternoon um, to do that really really important meeting or social event and so um, saw that there was a gap in the market and then when the pandemic hit the office above where we lived Above our apartment was uh, was available to rent, and so I negotiated a good rent free period and uh, and then we transformed that space because it was really just horrible. It had fluorescent kind of car park style lighting, horrible cheap plastic furniture, and it was such a a, a, a kind of diamond in the rough. and so we agreed a lease uh, and uh, yeah, we've been running the venue and now it's almost a self-run venue. Just like Airbnb, people get a lockbox and key. um, And then they use the space and, and uh, yeah, the kind of uh, really important uh, principle is treat the space as if it was an extension of your home. So people kind of look after it, they don't trash it. And um, this on demand model um, is is fantastic, because actually, we can uh, keep the price affordable, but still make a good profit. And there's always going to be gaps in the calendar, which where we can gift the space to friends or we can offer discounts to to charities or run our own community gatherings and dinners. And so this kind of approach to how you um, optimize and utilize space is really important. It's not just about one tenant, one use. It's about uh, how can we really make a space work for all times of day, all times of year.
0: Yeah, and that's really like the, you know, it's it's the the tagline and the purpose also on on House of Transformation website. But I think it is a through line or like a golden line or whatever you want to call it that connects all three of those projects, right? It's like reimagining space yeah. and enhancing like well-being, art, circular economy, and, and really change that comes from the people that are in those spaces mm. rather than um, just new business models in that sense. Like, yeah, exactly how do you how do you um you know when you when you think of reimagining space um you already mentioned it it has to feel like home what else is kind of like a a feeling signature to the way you You, see rebuilding reimagining and and the future of spaces
1: well i think the first way to answer that is a very practical uh, answer which is the worst thing is a space that is empty and unutilized so the fact that an office space is, is empty for at least 50% of the time. Um, because, you know, people then leave uh, for the evenings, and uh, or they leave. Um, and then the weekends it's sitting empty, such a waste. And so how can you make uh, an aesthetic? How can you make an interior design that works for social and professional context? Mm. And then there are certain things that, that do work um, uh, biophilic design, lots of natural wood, lots of plants, but also smart lights, because You need bright lights in the day for work but then you don't want to sit in bright white light when you're having a dinner or when you're trying to create an atmosphere so and actually it's not so expensive to buy uh, smart lights and there's a bunch of apps that you can use to control them and then bingo suddenly you have a space that can adapt so the lighting is critical and then um, i think we were lucky that our space had already a fitted kitchen so we just built out a really big uh, kitchen island uh, with bar stools and suddenly that creates a slightly different atmosphere right but it's actually really handy for uh, for a work context as well to have somewhere to put snacks food drink so forth and then the other little touch that we added for house of transformation was a stage um, and it basically was where the projector was the screen that could come down but but also it created that sense of theater um, there aren't too many board meet, boardroom meetings that have stages and it gave us quite a lot of storage as well underneath which was handy. Um, and then I think that the other aspect of it was uh, I love to paint. I almost went to fine art school uh, chose architecture and business instead um, but I, I fill uh, the space with a whole eclectic mix of Kandinsky nature-inspired uh, colorful paintings and uh, I hate frames even though that is framed uh, but it's just the sides are painted it's just canvases pure canvases leaning against a wall on top of a radiator, kind of, uh, uh, or occasionally stuck to the wall as well. And um, you fill the space with ca- uh, with, with color and, and, and art and nature, uh, you can't help but feel inspired. And so a lot of people love the fact that it's, it's not a pristine, perfect place. Um, in it's actually it, it, it's very cozy and rough. And um, and actually very inviting. So it's it's different from your usual sterile board meeting, even if there are some hipster artwork, uh, or posters on the wall. Um, and, and I think that's something that works really well. Um, and then I think it's just the storytelling around the space. You know, it's yeah, the house can. of transformation, right? And everything around you you can pick up, you can move it, uh, you can make it a dance floor, you can make it an open space, you can Do a long table dinner you can break out upstairs and um, we had a lot of fun with the interior design because it all we basically got a thousand sheets of of pre-cut ply that we then uh, screwed into boxes and then it's like maybe eight about about 120 boxes that have been wing nutted together to form this house and these two staircases and the stage and the island and these benches and the seating and then we um we varnished everything Sometimes with just a nice Osmo white varnish, and sometimes with a with a more uh, dark brown, and uh, and yeah, and it's just you know make it look balanced and harmonious, and uh, and it's super fun to do it yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Rather than you feel so much more connected to to a place um, if you've you know if your sweat uh, and your hard work uh, has gone into it, and it's something that. Then you care for so much more totally know? and
0: and maybe even just you know that that's like step two or three of being invested is like with your sweat, um <laughs> that maybe step one or two is even just just being able to interact in a space rather than yeah, just okay. being a consumer or a visitor right because like that that yeah. notion of being a visitor in a space is kind yeah. of a degree of separation and I think I, 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 and
1: another thing to that yeah. is no staff, no receptionist mm. you know you, you this is your key, this is your space, off you go. Like a you know, there, there isn't, and also that makes yeah. it so much more affordable because if we have to pay a full-time person to sit at a desk while people were in the space, that's it. You know, there's no business model. Yeah. You know, all of our margins are eaten up by, by, by staff. And it's a pretty boring job for, for the person who's just sitting there, you know, and, um, a lot of things can be done remotely, you know, through a really good, uh, notion page or through a phone call, and um, and you need a couple of backups, like you know, extra chargers and extra batteries and stuff. But um, actually, you don't need to run these spaces with loads of loads of uh, staff and loads of people, because affordability is is really critical. Um, Let's talk about aspect. that for a
0: second, Anton, because you know you've been in at that intersection of tech, sustainability, and real estate for over a decade, and. You know, it is a very community oriented kind of play between Rebuild and sell and, you know, enchanted and all of that. But at the same time, you and I have talked about this before. It's like when the business model is the foundation of it and it's solid, mm-hmm. so much more can be born later on, right? Rather than just like everyone coming together and everyone's yeah. hoping and dreaming and wishing, and then six months later, the energy's gone and there's no money and then people yeah, you know,
1: it's, 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 scramble. I, I, I think that house of transformation. I would say it's useful for a community building. Uh, and we have done loads of dinners and events. But actually, I would say that um, events like Enchanted and a place like Sargar's lends itself far more to community participation. I think with House of Transformation, it, it is more of a business in the sense of like I saw an opportunity. And most of the time we just rent the space as a private hire especially now that I'm away, we're doing less and less kind of, of our bar programming. And we're focusing more on on, on cell Um But I think that this is the thing is that people bring their own content and their own ideas. And I think that there's, um, it's, it, you got to focus on the, your your own strengths. And I think that events t- and community building takes so much energy. And um, I think that that w- makes sense if it's if it's related to building a, a wider village and a movement, um, I think with House of Transformation, in many ways, like the dinners that were started there, have now involved into what we're doing at Enchanted, and that's great. Um, but first and foremost, it was really just about creating, um, uh, proving a point um, that actually you can create something that is affordable for people, is really aspirational and makes money. Because I'd been going from consulting project to consulting project, explaining to them this time space model, you know, how you can create these third spaces, and they can be really aspirational, they can deliver social impact, and they can feed your bottom line. And it can be fantastic as part of a neighborhood development and so forth. And then yes, yes, yes. And then nothing happened. And so I then got kind of a bit uh, disillusioned and frustrated with the industry and said, Well, you know what, no one's ever gonna agree with my ideas. No, no no one's ever going to trust my ideas. They're only going to trust my actions. And so if I can prove show to them a space, if I can show to them the business model, then maybe at some point they'll listen. And, um, and in a funny way, when I did that, they said it was great. But they still did their own thing, <laughs> which is a shame. But uh, I think the this can be a model that so many people can adopt um, and uh, and bring into their corner of the world. You know, whichever city you're in, there's going to be a vacant office space, especially now. And if you can find a space that um, has a bit of wow factor, a bit of edginess, then actually rather than putting in loads and loads of walls and trying to rent out small studios, keep it open, and try and uh, use this kind of multi, a multifunctional approach, where you list it on all the platforms, uh, you create this arena that people can use. Um, and I think, yeah, it works, because it's, it's one of the things that's so hard to find in cities at an affordable price. And, exactly. and, what, and what's great is, uh, when it's not booked, it becomes your apartment and mm. uh and then you effectively have an apartment in the city uh that makes you money rather than cost you money which is pretty cool
0: yeah i, I love a few things you just said there and i definitely want to circle back to trust and like the process of, of trust if, if it's you know clients trusting you with opinions and ideas or yeah. if it's you know trusting community but for now i want to highlight something else first and this is really for me like so exciting about you know this continued journey with green planet blue planet is um, people like yourself, like all the other guests as well that are, you know, maybe through inspiration on some level, maybe even through that frustration you just share. they're like, man, like these clients, they, they get my ideas, but they don't do it. And then because of that, there's this aha moment where it's like, well, then I got to do it, right? Yeah. And so the... The, the guests that we have on here are, are all people that are actually taking things forward and creating like a slightly new phenomena, right? In their own social field, in their own city, and and then maybe beyond that. And so think back, man, like, I don't know, a decade ago, whenever an Airbnb was was a, yeah. a thing for the first time or 15 yeah. years ago, it was not a thing. Like this idea, this notion that, that you could just put your apartment on for like a weekend short-term rental... was kind of ludicrous to a lot of people and then suddenly it became available it became trustworthy it became easier than other ways of renting it revolutionized the hotel industry because it suddenly is like yeah what i can just airbnb something much nicer in a much less kind of stuffy way and so it's these micro shifts i think of seeing both the vacuum and the possibility but then also just I don't know, maybe not everyone would agree with that. But for me, Airbnb, when I first used it, was in a professional mm. context. I was an event manager at the time for a big company. And I have the option to rent hotel rooms or Airbnbs. And so it felt more human to me to rent Airbnbs. Mm. It felt more connected. Yeah. It felt less separate. Um, so there's something really exciting there, no? Like that oh, yeah, yeah. That like yeah, reality uh, changes uh, exactly. so fast when people uh, take uh, action uh, uh, in this inspired way.
1: And it's these platforms, but also this psychology that actually... Space is accessible on demand, and the the fact is that Airbnb is not the only player in town. There are dozens upon dozens of platforms for non-residential uh, on-demand bookings. Like there's Peer Space, there's Hire Space, there's Tag Venue, there's a countless Headbox, you dozens upon dozens uh, venue scanner, and um, that's starting to enter into the awareness of a lot of corporations, a lot of businesses where they realize, wait a second, there's all these spaces now accessible to us, let's just create a, um, a bit of a fund that will then book these spaces so that then we don't need to lease them ourselves. And, um, and now the whole industry of kind of Airbnb, workspace and event space is starting to really boom. And that's what lends itself very well to these models because we don't have to do the marketing ourselves. We can leverage these platforms, we can leverage Google, we can be found. And, um, and that's so, so critical, because when you're taking on a lease, you cash flow is is, is the most difficult thing, because you're doing the renovations, and then you're often sitting empty, because it takes time. Um, Obviously, pandemic was a bit frustrating. The because worst for it, uh, uh, yeah, small yeah. businesses, yeah. you know, and um, and it first year was incredibly slow and uh, it took time to pick up, but um, now with Salgas, um, we were able to get online, we were able to get SEO, we were able to do regular newsletters, and we've had over 200 inquiries in three months. We've booked out our spring, summer, and autumn this year. Um, we're we're going to be profitable in our first year, even with ATK of, of uh, infrastructure investment. And, um, and so that's great. And that's, uh, and that's because we were able to leverage these platforms and, and get on a mix of, of, of Airbnbs and, uh, and different aggregators and, and, and then also get really seen on Google. And, um, and I think that being super then responsive to bookings and converting um, and, um, and then leveling up our infrastructure, we were able to do that. And I think that's so, so important to really understand how to get your venue seen um, and booked quickly, um, and how to do that with minimal staff, without having to hire a sales team and lots of managers and an estate team. You know, we're we're running a venue here in in Devon that usually would need a team of five or six, but um, you know, by just doing things in a lean, streamlined way, it's myself, um, a part-time caretaker, gardener, Debbie. And uh, my wife Morgan, that helps out a little bit part time. And we're able to, and then we were able to subcontract our local builders, subcontract our um, uh, people that do drainage nearby, and really tap into the local knowledge and skills um, to do the things we needed without needing to employ a big team. And I think that then sets you up for success with, with these types of projects because. Yeah, it's, uh, expenses can run really, really quickly, especially with rising energy bills and all these things. Uh, and you dream of creating a, a village and, and, have, and living in this beautiful spot in nature, but actually the costs are very real. Um, and uh, I think that by staying lean and also buying yourself time to really invite people not to a really, really messy project where everything is kind of not figured out and stressful and confusing, but to say, you know, we've built a solid foundation here. You know, this place works. This place uh, doesn't just um, kind of eat money or burn money. This is uh, a solid place with a real foundation and beauty. Come, spend time, co-live with us, uh, join some of our events, imagine your life here. And then at the right time, we can then, this place together and uh, and take it to the next level and I think so often you know you you don't have that MVP stage in a village project where you can really show what you can do you can build trust also with the locals and and um, take your time to build community um, and take your time to
0: structure the deal. Well, because it does simply take time, right? Like, I mean, you know, the dream is the village or the dream is the community for for many people, actually, right? It's this idea of like, how can I live in a more connected living space, right? Like the the modern the modern world is, you know, having a foot in
1: in the city, having a foot in the countryside, and yeah, uh, uh, it takes
0: time. It takes time Uh, to build relationship. I mean, this is this is true for all friendships, for all uh, business partners, for all relationships, and so you know um but bills once you take ownership or once you take a lease or whatever it is they come every month right yeah, yeah. so it's i've seen many projects uh, fail because of that and i've been you know I, i've been in my own projects that that have had that that difficulty from the get go when uh, because of that i learned okay the foundation in this current paradigm is is finance right like yeah. we could talk about the money of the future and regenerative money i think exactly. this is also an interesting That's, kind of it's intersection
1: a cool. fascinating topic for sure yeah
0: right because it's it's maybe even a little early for it and maybe there it's it's more about like DAOs and the decentralized kind of way of how to how to co-govern something first right like because how are we going to ever get to a a a different style of currency because right now all cryptos are still backed through the us dollar and the federal Mm -hmm. bank and are basically just a money gambling cohort or, or loop right which Nothing wrong with it, but that's what we're learning right now. And what we really want are these different ways of governing, so that we can we can move beyond that one person being at the pulpit or that one pe- person being yeah. the 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 leader. And and we have kind of like a decentralized, autonomous way of doing it. But it's not as easy as it as we we can make it yeah. sound with words, right? It has ah, dynamic. And, and then there's um, also the nuances. idea of
1: it, and then there's the lived reality of that. Mm, and I mm. think that what's the idea of it is beautiful, but the lived reality is actually, if you've got the wrong people and the wrong structure, and uh, the wrong expectations, it's a mess. And then actually, it's, uh, it's the complete opposite of what what you'd want. And so it's, it's a, it's a balance between the reality and then the ideal. And I think that um, first and foremost, you know, we're not trying to revolutionize economics here, we are trying to create a beautiful home. That we can live in forever, you know, and I think that's a a really important truth. Whenever anyone's starting a village project is know your create criteria and know how you want to live, you know, outside of changing the world or, you know, kind of reinventing everything and rebuilding everything and kind of starting a new civilization, like deep down, what are the, what is the ecology and what is the environment in which you can thrive? And uh, what is your criteria? It's something that Stephen Brooks said on a Rebuild talk that really landed with me. Um, criteria in terms of location, proximity to the city that you love, proximity to the people that you care about. And, um, and what type of, what country, what setting really plays to your strengths. And for me, I always needed to be close to London. London is my is my home. It's the city that I spent most of the time, time in. It's where I have most of my memories in life. And uh, I need to be within a decent um, non vehicle um, transport distance. So I need to be able to go on my bike and my train and walk and cycle and be between these two destinations. And then the other aspect was my skill sets rely on marketing, storytelling, um, project management, um, and sales, right? And so I don't want to be stuck for 10 years in uh, rooms with planners and councils, trying to get permission to build a couple of little uh, tiny homes in the middle of nowhere that has zero infrastructure, and uh, you have to drive two hours from the nearest station, right? That's, that's not for me. So I needed to find uh, a property that um, met the criteria that I had, and that actually needed that the skill set that I could bring. And that we could hit the ground running fast, and um, because I also don't have millions in the bank where I can just finance uh, the purchase upfront of a of a bigger estate, and then finance the renovations, and then off we go. So I needed to do it in a more entrepreneurial way, and and then which goes you know, for most people, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, and, and and I think that lease to buy approach is is what if you don't have millions in the bank because you exited a tech company. Um, then that's kind of really the only way. uh, Because then it makes the whole aspect of buying with a mortgage and also financing uh, the property so much easier, when you've proven the cash flow. And when you've really understood, and I think one year is not enough, I think at least two years. And if you can get an extension for three or even five years, um, with an option, um, then that's so important, because you need time. And, uh, and then, and then that then gives you the confidence that lease and the option to then make the investments that you need. But then you're not buying an estate, you're just doing that kind of barn renovation, buying that glamping, doing these things that will make it more marketable, will make it more livable. And then the other thing that I, I learned from actually a rebuild talk as well, was uh, Jess from Chateau de Fe in France, fantastic project. Um, they took over a castle. Uh, pre pandemic, and then uh, turned it into this venue and village. And uh, they do winter co living. And then they switch to event season, and then back to co living and then event season. And so using the winter months to live in community is really, really, really valuable. Because actually, that's the perfect time to then get to know people that potentially will buy, buy with you that will build with you. Um, And then you use the summer to uh to make some good extra extra cash flow um and also to host kind of more cultural gatherings I like enchanted that's my dog over there i think he wants yeah we, to we're
0: hearing uh, go what's his name zuko
1: zuko yeah he's a mountain yeah. bunny yeah uh we'll, i'll check on him later but um but yeah that that balance between co-living and uh, and also um the event seasons and and really understanding how to market to each of your verticals, uh, the weddings, the corporate team building, and also the kind of um, uh, the yoga retreats and the wellness. And what the reality is, is that your calendar is is not equal, right? Is that different times of the calendar from midweek to weekend, from half term to turn time, from summer to autumn to spring to winter, your product is completely fundamentally different. Your buildings might be the same, but actually your customer um, uh, is going to be different. And understanding that and then thinking that through and, and having the flexibility in your marketing, but also in your product positioning, so that you can actually find that perfect balance of what you want to do as a village as a community as a tribe, and also what people are prepared to pay for. And so thinking all that through is really important so that you can find that balance and uh, from the financial resilience to also then the community building. And and, um, and that's something that I've kind of learned along the way through my research, through my consulting projects, and it's been super fun to put it into practice um, these last few, few months.
0: So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you said something really, really um, powerful there that like the winter months... You know especially in the northern hemisphere but the winter months are when where you basically figure out your, your project like you really that that's like the core of the business because the summer months are going to be amazing no matter where you yeah, are right there's going to be so much opportunity and it's easy to live for the summer and then be like ah oh, the winter is just so hard Winter, but really, got, that's the time
1: that's the time you know that's the time that you that you sink or swim right you don't have time later on and and really putting being strategic focused uh, making the right investment there. And, and co-living makes it easier because actually co-living is very easy to manage. People are living for long term, they're kind of helping out. It's, uh, it, it's really low maintenance, whereas events and weddings is high maintenance and requires a different energy and a different logistics. So actually, it marries up well to doing site infrastructure, but also to, to doing sales and, and also the joy of Sharing meals every single night, like for the first from twenty ninth of Jan to like mid March, there wasn't a single meal which I didn't have as a communal meal, as a dinner. Right, obviously lunch we and breakfast we did separately. But like mm. that's amazing, you know. I only had to that's cook. That's family like, style, right? Yeah, and there were times when I just cooked two times a week. Sometimes I only cook once a week, and then I got beautiful food, far diverse than I ever would would cook for myself. um, And it was literally on my doorstep. And so okay, co living won't generate as much revenue as the weddings and the corporate retreats and stuff. But there's a lot of other value it creates. And also in the winter, you're not going to get those big bookings anyway. So actually, that is the best use case for that particular period of time. And, um, and so I think it's just navigating the switch. Between different types of activation of the space is really uh, important, but then actually longer term is by having this multifunctional model, the co-living is kind of a test of what your village like could be like, and then um, eventually what we want to do is actually in the northern woodland create a self-build co-housing uh, where we could build our own bungalows and tiny homes and actually have a permanent community live here all year round. And that's that's a process um, that, of course, will take many years. But the great thing is, is that we can be here, we can pilot, we can test, and um, and eventually, once we've bought it, maybe we don't need to do any more any more weddings apart from the weddings we really like. And um, and maybe actually the barn just becomes a big co-working space. Who knows? Um, but the beautiful thing is, is that is you have then this resilience that comes through having options. You know, is that you're not facing a cash flow crisis, that, um, uh where you don't know if you're gonna run out of money next week, um, you're on a stable footing, and then you can take your time and really get to know people and, and not just what they say, but also how they behave and what how they live and what uh, how they act. And, uh, and I think that's super, super important, because lots of people fall in love with the idea of, of living in a village with the land and community, but actually, it's uh it, it's incredibly hard to set up and um and also well, it's, it's evolutionary
0: it's, right like it, yeah. it's evolutionary in a personal level and on a on oh. a collective level as well as on an economic level so it's like yeah. juggling these different kind of um elements that are all in 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 movement yeah. and and none of them have been figured out in a way that they work yeah, everywhere exactly. right because it's it's, yeah. it's it's real yeah right i want to ask a question there. come yeah, back to the it. topic of trust and just like, not about your clients this time, you know, but mm. f- about you personally, Anton, like, how do you, how do you experience trust? Like, w- what is required yeah. for you to trust people, ideas uh, in a process? Like, have you, yeah. do you have an awareness of that? What What's happening in, in your inside where you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. no, thank you. Or like, oh, yeah, this is, this is a good, yeah, yeah. good thing.
1: Well, I, I think the first thing is I, I genuinely do trust myself. Like I genuinely trust that I have the skills, the experience. That I'm at the time of life where I can execute on this, and so I trust my intuition. I trust my judgment. I trust my research, and and um, and yeah. And I think that's uh, and and as a result, I feel confident to make fast, quick decisions uh, in this first phase. And um, the way I I I'd like to think about it is we're in a startup phase, we're not in a community phase, we're in the in a startup phase that will then enable us to build the community later. So this first six months is very much about being very pragmatic, being focused on infrastructure, keeping the team small, not over promising, um, and actually making decisive clear decisions, working super hard, but really loving it. And, um, and not Promising people that are oh, you're going to have shares in this oh come come no 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 like it's I'm self-financing this I I have full ownership we're going to get to a point where we're profitable in our first year we've run some amazing events um, we've really started to we've created a strong home and uh, and then we shall look at how we invite more people into this next phase and so I always like to think about if if you want to create the square. Um, which is your kind of ultimate village, Um, or or a B, you know, or a triangle, it could be another way. But um, you need to have this kind of lean startup approach. Then you bring the circle and the community, and then together the the triangle, which is the lean startup, more conventional way of doing things, together with then the more sociocratic, um, collective, consensus-based dialogue and decision-making, those together then create the structure that can hold the square, which is the village. And so being able to dance between these two ways of communicating within a group is is tough. And um, and, uh, and the mindset and the behavior of lean startup and triangle is in direct opposition to the mindset and behavior of being in a community and being uh, listening first and And the one is relationship focused and one is results focused. And it's often very difficult to hold both. And that's, I think, the mastery is to be able to juggle and jump between and and sense when too much attention is being given to results and not enough is being given to relationship and how we harmonize between the two is critical to building a village over time. Um, But often it's not as simple as we always need to keep them in balance. There are times in the process where actually, there needs to be a complete imbalance, it needs to be all startup, um, and very little relationship. And there are other times it needs to be all relationship and very little startup. And it depends uh, And every time you invite more people, you add complexity, you think, oh, it's fantastic, more people. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But actually, if you haven't got the strong foundation, and if you're not clear on what it is, and if the invitation hasn't been correct, if expectations are not aligned then actually more people creates more complexity and boom. And so um, I'm sensitive to all of that. And therefore I'm taking my time to to really bring community in. And I'm kind of thinking about Enchanted, which is the, the big event as, as a vehicle to start that journey. Um, lots of people are coming to kind of co-live and do little projects. And we're building these great relationships with other couples and friends. On a one-to-one or in small groups and we're kind of working on this big cultural event together and um, and hopefully that will then create the energy and momentum to, to begin this new story of how you know it, it shifts from just being a venue that i've taken over and I'm, I'm i'm running into this enchanted village that we're starting to imagine together and um and uh yeah i i, I don't know what will emerge from that but uh, there's a really wonderful group of speakers and performers and artists that are involved and uh, i think it 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 has a potential to really be something very special and to lead uh, into the evolution of what we do here um, and hopefully run every year Uh, and uh, and yeah and there's so fun to not just have a venue for a week but to have a venue for two years if not forever, that we can keep building on uh, all these little touches, all these little decorations. We built a, uh, a three meter high giraffe in the barn called Cammy, um, a, a Phoenix out of recycled bamboo, because uh, yeah. a giraffe uh, used to be called camel leopard in the ancient times. So Cammy for short. And, uh, and then uh, yeah, we have curiosity cabinet, and um, from the co living days, and uh, um, I'm building a portal, a big circular portal, two meters high, as I was explaining, out of waste wood. And there's all these fun little moments that we can create on the land that capture people's imagination. And um, uh, and I think that's just going to continue to evolve and um, and make the place more beautiful and more enchanted. And so this relationship between a kind of creative cultural event um and the venue is i think really powerful so you know chateau de Fe have their arts festival you know and then there's um uh lots of and then uh wazing estate has medicine festival and wazinga i think these types of gatherings that bring music art storytelling workshops knowledge sharing um together with a venue is a really wonderful combination and um and so yeah we're at the beginning of that which is exciting
0: and it's an invite for everyone listening, who happens yeah. to be in the UK, right? July six to um, nine.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or if they're outside of the UK, they're welcome as well. Um, uh, and so, yeah, we're, we'll be at Sargars in Devon, and uh, and yeah, i will be at the start of the July. Uh, four wonderful days uh, from Thursday to Sunday.
0: Yeah. Right on! Right on! Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for everything that that you've been you know involved in in the last years and and you know you having your own kind of estate and eight acres, um, you know at at yeah. that kind of yeah enter at that stage is is you know let's just see what happens next. But yeah, I think Enchant exactly. is going to be success that's already visible and you know it's it's very very uh, inspiring, Anton, to to hear that entrepreneurial success is the foundation because having been in this space for many years myself I, I owned and ran a studio space a decade ago at this point mm. um here in victoria on vancouver island and i remember how messy it was at times and how it always came back down to everyone wanted more relationship and relational based interactions but but if the money wasn't flowing then it was like shut door right and and so having the entrepreneurial foundation and having you know entrepreneurs with with that you know Kind of balance of right brain left brain or you know masculine feminine whatever you want to call it that then opens the door to what you said like it's the triangle and the circle and the square you know harry potter fans would call it the deathly hallows but it's, it's like the, the sacred geometry that actually takes us to another level of how we can interact right
1: yeah yeah for sure i i and i think that it's you don't talk about it so much and in kind of conferences or podcasts you talk more about like the the vision and the purpose but the ruthless automation and optimization uh of your of your schedule of your day-to-day tasks and being able to get shit done you know uh, there's no space for management there's no space for uh, lots of meetings you know you just got to get stuff done and if efficient productive meetings and people have their areas of responsibility uh, related to their strengths and expertise, and then you just go, you know, I don't have time to sit around training people up and, and and, uh, and kind of discussing loads of things. Um, we just, we have a goal, we have a, a venue, and we need to go for it. And I have loads and loads of uh, kind of communications, uh, document creation, website management, as well as, um, and what I found is actually that I'm able to to push my limits even further than ever before, because I have this balance of physical challenges, uh, as well as digital challenges. So I've always optimized my computer work really, really well, like buy a big screen iMac, sit up straight, you know, make sure that posture is correct, make sure that you have an environment where you can focus for hours and hours and hours at a time, and you can get the work done online that you need. Um, Don't be hunched on a laptop, don't you know, like, invest in your performance. Uh, but then being able to balance that out with, like, shoveling and carrying loads of stuff and um, managing a build site and, uh, and so much uh, activity that's actually involved, and we call it the green gym, uh, oh, which is just... The green gym. Yeah. yeah, which is, you know, going out and doing useful stuff outside and getting fit while you're doing it. And, and that balance is means that you then you kind of finish with a big warm shower at the, uh, bath at the end of the day and then boom, you sleep like a baby and then you're up with the sunlight the next day and, and, and off you go again. And, and I think that yes, you can always hire more people but I also challenge you to, you can also optimize yourself. You can optimize your processes. You know, and you, I think there's a tendency to just add more people. You know, oh yeah, people will help. Oh, add, I, I, Add more, um, uh, add more layers of management. Um, hire more people, more job ads. Now you're a recruiter, and all of that just ends up creating more cost, more expense. And um, it's amazing how much you can do if you are focused and if you prioritize correctly. And um, and actually, there's so many people locally that have the skills that you can hire on demand. So you, so I think that's something that, you know it's so, so important to um, work on that side of, of your own performance and work ethic, right? The, you, uh, you really have to push yourself. Like this isn't just a case of I'm a village holder, Sorry, right, I'm, I'm, I'm a vision holder, right? You know, I imagine what this place could be and I enable others. The reality is, is you got to go and you got to shovel the ship and you got to carry the wheelbarrows and you got to work harder than everyone else. And that sets an example. Um, and, um, and and that's how you build the foundation of a project like this. And then, of course, you can celebrate later in time as the project evolves and it's on a stable foundation. Then, of course, yeah, it's great to sit in a circle, but then you realize that actually you were not the right to, to have that um, uh, because you you really did everything you could to, uh, to make sure the foundation was strong. And, mm, um, yeah. and so that's I the kind of... Said. That's the kind of place I'm in right now, and actually, it's it, it, it's very, very beautiful because it's there's a lot of clarity, like there's a, and it's really wonderful to have that trust in oneself, even if there is tension or friction or problems or things don't go always perfectly, that you come back to then that trust and conviction that. Um, this is where you want to be and need to be and it's uh, and it's a dream a dream to be able to have the opportunity to take on a project like this and um, and it is making me healthier and happier in the process which is nice say, Anton
0: this is this is great to hear I think that you know the big the big circle that we've been making here in this episode from the beginning to this moment um, is is really about when we reimagine spaces, you know, you just m- made the metaphor, the comparison of like digital work and in-person green gym work, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is a place-based kind of work, right? So there's a tie-in to a, a local okay. destination, like a place of earth, right? A, mm-hmm. a root in the ground or however we see that picture. But I think that's where purpose and meaning unfold in a way different mm-hmm. um, kind of capacity. Yes. And And that's where things are also much more real than just like i don't know another nft web3 kind of play that might be part of it but if it's not connected to mother earth and to our well-being through the soil into the ground through the 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 microbiome into our gut biome then it isn't really connected to anything and so it's really interesting to see that that's often like the 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 red thread here um in these conversations
1: The, the, the big, big thing that we're missing, and I've also seen that I've been missing, is
0: the ability
1: to have a very tangible impact on your physical surroundings, like whether it's growing your own food, whether it's like painting a wall, whether it's fixing something, whether it's like carrying something or digging something to like actually, in a very real way, influence your environment. Um, because uh, so often we don't get that opportunity, you know, we, we can access we go into the coffee shop We can't touch anything or move anything we uh, in our apartments often we rent it So we can't even put anything on the walls. We can't put anything and so we have And then we live our lives on the screens and so we're very disembodied and then uh, and Actually our lives lack have some little we have so little freedom or agency over our actual environment that we just kind of actually shut off this desire within us to be able to build and play and and shake things up and and then there's the joy I had of like using a circular saw for the first time and then like making tables out of like waste beds and things and and um, and figuring things out on my own like not having to call an expert like I can figure out how to fix this tap I can I can sort this out I can you know, and then actually the empowerment that that brings. And then uh, because yes, it's time in nature is beautiful. But I think actually, the most transformative thing was just that feeling that I can build something I can make, I can put this giraffe in the world, right? Like and and here it is. And that actually, that that the idea can can be manifested and, uh, and also that that joy of just sweating, sweating outside, for hours and hours, sometimes in the rain, sometimes not, and then seeing that your environment is now a bit better every single day. Yeah. Whether we have painted a wall, hard work right? We've rearranged the furniture, whether we've, you know, organized, put paving in. I mean, I've, I think I've shoveled and kind of put maybe uh, over 12 tons of of rock paving rocks to create a lovely path around the barn and into the glamping and so forth. And um, and countless bricks and all sorts and and then yeah, it's like there's so many puzzles to solve, and um, and so many ways to use your creativity in the out out of the screen as well as on the screen. And um, and what I've enjoyed is actually it's the same thinking that I have on hacking websites or you know marketing or business modeling or you know, how I optimize what I do on the screen. I can do the same when I design things or build things or make things. And of course, yeah, I'm not going to build an entire structure. But there's so much I can do, you know, figuring out how to make concrete um, actually mopable, because uh, we had a kind of nice, polished concrete floor, and then we danced on it. And then it was so muddy. And then I realized, oh, shit, I can't wash this. <laughs> so then googling around and someone said, Oh, you tried concrete sealer, what the hell is concrete sealer? And then uh, and and then um, a few weeks later, we have a wonderful floor that's moppable, happy days. And then like, <laughs> so. And this is one story of like yeah. hundreds. And, um, and that fills you, me with so much joy. And yeah. I also the people that come here, I think that the takeaway is around the sharing of the meals. But it's the active participation in a place that makes you feel much more alive and connected to it. And that's why a lot of these retreat centers, oh no, 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 we just sit and we meditate. No, no, let's get, build stuff, shake stuff up, try stuff out. You know, build a bonfire. Um, you know, the, interact with the environment in a in a more tactile way. And um, and so yeah, and I think it's also these practices of growing your own food and and mm-hmm. um, and and building your own home and creating art together is, is so central to how we feel more alive and um and so yeah that's what i've kind of learned from this and also what i've experienced in terms of my own personal joy of being here I, you know it, it, just managing other people to do the work would be so horrible i want to do it i want to get stuck in i don't want someone else to do it you no know, like, obviously there's some things that do need to be delegated like mowing the lawn and doing the. but like actually so much you know i built a shower I just assembled it and then I built it again and I managed to figure out how all the parts work and use recycled wood and, and, and a happy days we, we have a hot shower. And, um, and so I think these, these observations shouldn't be ignored of like, why? Why has that made me so happy? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, uh, you know, there's plenty of better showers out there than the one I built, right? It's, uh, <laughs> but, um, but this is the first one that I built myself. And um, and that's the uh, and how do you put a value on that? And there's, a, and there's some very very strong meaning attached to to these types of experiences. Uh, and this is what you can't do in the city. So you can only do yeah. it on the farm or or, or right. on the estate.
0: And that's also where you know what you mentioned earlier, like hard work then suddenly meets joy, and so it's unmistakably kind of uh you know a form of alignment and you know um yeah, yeah i, I yeah. invite everyone who's who's tuned into this episode to check out your your projects the the community work that you do it's rebuild house of transformation Selgars estate enchanted coming up july 6 to 9 i believe right um thank you so much anton for being on green planet blue planet mm-hmm. podcast for taking the time for taking us into your <laughs> uh universe for sharing your, your joy for building building things in the real world as well as digitally. And um, yeah, the inspiration to, to do things well from an entrepreneurial foundation because that's what, what actually allows for a longer impact and for you know maybe later on, but allows for many more people to onboard in a way that is sustainable for the circle of people yeah. that, that is creating.
1: Amazing, thank you, great summary. And uh, you sh- I look forward to hosting you here one day when you travel to this part of the world
0: yeah i'd love to i've actually not Mm -hmm. really spent a lot of time in the uk so at some point i'll have to be there yeah you know for sure for sure